Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler with the Crazy Monkey Podcast with my co-host, Jared Gifford. Jared, how the fuck are you tonight? Hey, it's always good to be here. That's amazing. Doing pretty damn good. Okay, now we have um, an interesting topic to talk about because we had been talking about in the car earlier about influential people mm-hmm. throughout movies, music, comics, who had influenced us and who we look up to they're no longer with us today. Oh yeah, and, and a lot of people will say, "Oh well, you can't, you, you, you know, you, you can't look up to these people because you never met them." Now, here's the whole thing. This is where I totally disagree with them. There are ways that, that popular entertainment can affect you in many ways. So just like how we talked about how comics can impact you in certain ways, like we talked about in the last podcast, mm-hmm. like you know, comic books that we were <coughs> comics we remember reading. Well, and in this case, I, I say the same thing. I call BS on people saying that about celebrities because there's the thing. There's many ways their work can affect you. There's, I mean, how many times have we listened to a song and we said, yes, that song describes how I'm feeling, and, and that song is so important to me? All the how, time. Yeah. How many times have we watched a film and we said, yes, that film, it's like it's seen through the eyes of someone who knows what I'm going through? Or, or you know, a comic book or even a novel. You know, you read something. And it impacts you in a way. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is, is that, yeah, I, I totally agree with this. I don't think you have to actually meet a person in order for that person to have an effect on your life. Yeah. Now, you know, I can totally understand, like, how maybe, maybe, you know, uh, you can hang out together and, you know, go bowling or something. And, and, and how maybe, yeah, you, you know, that person could have affected your life in a different way had you actually physically met them. Yeah. But the whole point is their work. Their work affected you in some way, so in so it, you know by proxy, they still have affected your lives, and they still are an important part of your lives. And I never, uh, and I never write that off. I know many people, uh, one way or another, who who've impacted my life in one way or another. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna bring a couple of names out that have influenced me. Not only in my writing, but also within my life and how they've shaped how I decide to deal with things. Yeah, exactly. Um, one that truly impacted me, as, as a personal note, was Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> See, I knew. Somewhere in there. I was going to say he's going to mention Poe somewhere. If he doesn't mention Poe, there's, you know... It, 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 that'd be a Poe decision. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you look at how he dealt with life. He wrote about the dreary, the doldrum, and he that's wrote about the macabre, he, yeah. and, and that's actually, that was his therapy. That's yeah, how he got through that's life. That's how he combated his own depression, hilariously enough. And a lot of people don't give this enough credit, but... But sometimes writing about your own depression can actually help with that depression. Exactly. Because, it, because it's a way to vet that. And, um, and, and, and the thing is, is that um, a lot of people don't give a whole lot of credit to that. The whole thing is sometimes it's good to just get it out and talk about it. And then that way it's not sitting there festering inside you. And then, and then maybe you go and you explode on somebody who doesn't deserve it. I totally agree with you. And when I had learned of Edgar Allan Poe and I read him, I was combating some inner demons that I had gone through in life at that moment. 
and in time when I was 13 years old. And when I started reading, you know, The Raven, The Telltale Heart, when I started reading The Bells, when I started reading um, Lenore and all these other ones, and The Black Cat, uh, The Golden Bug, and The Mask of Red Death, I really saw the depth of what he was trying to talk about, oh. what he was trying to portray, because the one yeah. story <coughs> that really caught me off guard, mm -hmm. and I'd never gone through this before, but I could see how someone could and how it could affect them, Oh yeah, well. is I had read The Cask of Amontillado. So, oh, I'm seeing that's actually another really good one. Uh, another one that I really like, and I know that's uh, one of your favorites as well, mm -hmm. uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. Yes. That one has such a weird, twisted tale about the family within that house. Yeah. That it's almost like that's one of his more prolific and deeper meaning type stories. Yeah. And you kind of have to read and reread and reread. The Fall of the House Yesher to get the full meaning behind it because you can't just skim it over one time and be like, oh, that was a really great story. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the whole thing. It's like, it's, it's another one of those things that, like, you, um, you know, uh, the more you read Poe, the more you appreciate his work because you see some of the subtle layers of stuff that he has in there. Exactly. I mean, there's the obvious thing about him dealing with his depression. You can see his stories are usually very dark in atmosphere. But you can also see he has a lot of subtle, smart things in there. The whole thing is, is like, and I don't know if a lot, a lot of people knew this, but uh, but he was actually really good friends with Jules Verne. He really was. Who, yeah, who, yeah, who had who had written things like Around the World in <coughs> Days, uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> yeah, and I really love how he tackled life. Yeah, like he instead of letting it fester like you said yeah. he, he let people know that his demons haunted him and that he wanted people to know that writing was a way to have a therapy mm -hmm. for dealing with your depression for dealing with your anxiety for dealing with the fact that you didn't feel like you were the greatest writer in the world oh, because yeah. these were all things that he went through throughout his entire life i mean he, he, he was a drunkard mm -hmm. and he smoked a shitload of pot oh yeah but the thing is, mm -hmm. he used his writing as mm -hmm. an escapee from yeah. his problems. And a lot of people may see, well, oh, you're just trying to mask the problem. But through his writing, he was actually being his own therapist. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the whole thing. Um, that's the whole thing is that, uh, you, know, um, you know, he pretty much had worked through his, just as you said, his inner demons mm -hmm. by doing these things. And it was and it was a good therapy for him. The whole thing is, is yeah, you know, he may have gotten the reputation. It's like, oh, he's a dark, depressing character. But the whole thing is, is that this is probably more than likely because I mean, I can tell I've got I can tell people I've got my own inner demons when I do my writing and whatnot. The whole thing is, is this is one of those things that uh, that you know he had to work it. He had to work through these things, or else the guy would have gone insane. Exactly. And one more before I pass it off to you. Oh, go ahead. Is someone who has not only impacted my writing, but with how I view otherworldly creatures and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and how I view um, the dark and macabre, and how to write in such a fanciful way that it's almost like you bring the fantasy and the otherworldly into a real light. 
is mm-hmm. Stephen King. Oh yeah, um, exactly. I mean, uh, that's the thing is that uh, you know, I mean, and um, I noticed this too. It's so interesting. Is Stephen King's a good writer in the fact that that he always matches the way people talk to the subject matter he's doing. Like, if it's usually a bit more epic on a large scale, he, I notice he has people speak in a more educated fashion. Yeah. If he if it deals with more of a urban contemporary setting, I notice he has, you know, basically has them talking like people would in the big city. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, if he's in a more rural setting, he'll have them speaking more in a way that people in rural areas will speak. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's like he, ma- he matches... He he matches the 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 way people act and think with the environment that he set it in. And what's interesting about Stephen King, and I totally admire this about him because you can tell not only is he a fantastic storyteller, but he's educated as hell. Because you look at all of his stories, and in the back, the bibliography is crazy mm-hmm. with information he got from different excerpts from like newspaper printings from different books from different websites and stuff like that oh, yeah. on just how to start writing his story oh yeah exactly <laughs> the whole thing is, is he, he did his research yeah and and that's one thing that a lot of uh, good writers will do is they'll do the research especially if they're especially if they're dealing with a subject that maybe there's a lot of hearsay on you definitely want to do your deep research because you want to make sure you're being authentic with it the worst thing you can do is go off of secondhand information, and then try and write a story, and then and then find out that you're wrong. Yeah, and I feel that the book that touched me the most that he wrote, and a lot of people will be like, "Oh, everybody will pick that book because you know it's one of his first books." And it's yeah. like, well, I really don't care because it has the most subject material that hits yeah. home to a lot of people is Carrie. Oh yeah, exactly, um, and that's that's another one. And, and, and interestingly enough, uh, I I think that um, the I if I remember right, and, and you can totally correct me. No, you're, you're fine. You're much more familiar with Stephen King than I am. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I believe that um, the story of Carrie had actually come to him because he uh, because he had been actually. Um, remembering certain things that had happened during his own senior prom. Exactly, yeah. And the fact that he started with psychological thrillers first yeah. as a type of not really a horror genre, but more of, yeah. a, more of a shock and more of a realism type thing that these kind of things happen, not necessarily yeah. the, the supernatural side of Carrie and not the supernatural side of Firestarter, but the whole psychological aspect and how it can scare the shit out of you at times. Yeah. This is a very real thing, and for him to tackle that as early as he did on his career, that's a very brave thing. Well, I think another brave thing he actually did, and this is later on in his career, because what happened was, and you remember this, and I think we touched on this before, but I'd like to touch on it again, is that uh, later on in his career, what happened was, in the late 80s, he decided he wanted to start doing genres other than horror. He was getting to the point where he was sick and tired of people just thinking he was the horror guy. Yeah, and, I mean, he yeah, liked the fact yeah. that, you know, he wrote yeah. horror, but he wanted to branch out. So, yeah, so so what happened was at first he tried to do that, and they said, no, 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 you're a horror guy, horror guy, horror guy, and his, <laughs> and his, and his, and his, and his publishing company wouldn't let him do it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, uh, what happened was at first, in order to get around that, he basically uh, 
uh, made a pseudonym for himself. Yeah. Called Richard Bachman, and a lot of people know the, uh, the Richard Bachman books. And that's like where you got um, stories like the original Running Man, which they based that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie on. Yeah. Now, granted, that's only very loosely based on it. Yeah. But but the premise was still the same: was that you had this you had this game show where people would uh, where they people were promised that they'd be freed if they beat through this really deadly game show. Yeah. But then you find out that that's not the case and they're just trying to kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, And they're basic. doing it like a glor- Roman gladiator- gladiatorial sort of sport. And, and um, it's kind of like a genocidal type. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, but uh, Stephen King had done that, and done the Batman books, and he did several, and they were, most of them were basically uh, Stephen King stabbing at sci-fi. Uh-huh. He wanted to do some sci-fi stuff. Yeah. And then... But then, you notice in the 90s, and he just went full on with this one, and it started with short, certain little short stories. But then but then he worked his way into doing larger ones. Like It started with things like like The Body, he wrote as Stephen King, uh-huh. which, which which they based the 1986 movie Stand By Me on. Exactly. Um, but that was that was a short story, and I guess people were kind of okay because it had to do with a body. So like, oh, that's kind of horror, isn't it? But if they'd actually read the story, they'd realize it wasn't a horror story. It was a story of... It was more of a coming-of-age story. Yeah, and Stand uh, By Me, still to this yeah. day, is one of the best films yeah. that he wrote. Because yeah. it really is the coming-age story yeah. of of not not only boyhood, but also manhood. Well, yeah, it was, well it's the transition. Yeah. What, what Stand By Me is about, and I said the original story, the book is called The Body. Mm-hmm. And but but what what the essence was that remained the same throughout the movie and the book was it was about kids um, going from that transition from because because all um, all the kids in this story were twelve yeah and they were going to be turning thirteen the following year and they were going to be starting junior high yeah um, and it was about basically showing a, about that transition about how things change. I mean, and I'm going to give a big spoiler here for those who you haven't read or haven't seen the movie. What happens is you find out that the end of that, the end of that year, that was the last year they all had together as uh-huh. a group. Yeah. Because, because, um, while even though um, the two main characters, um, um, Chris Chambers and um, and uh, um, uh, crap. Um, uh, Gordy, yeah, uh, um, uh, Chris Chambers and Gordy. Um, even though they stayed remained in contact and they stayed friends even clear up until college, um, what happened is you find out the other two friends. That was the last time they ever really saw them on a regular basis. They would see them. Uh, they 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 would see them occasionally throughout the year, the following year. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then slowly but surely, they said they just became two other faces in the hallways. Yeah. And, and they just stop talking with each other. And it just kind of happens. It's not that they hated each other. It's just that it's just that their lives moved in different directions. Yeah. And the only people whose <clears throat> lives paralleled each other and stayed there for a long time was Chris Chambers and Gordy. Um, but even uh, but then even sadly, Chris, uh, he, um, once he had stuck it out through the college classes with him, um... He went off and became a lawyer, and then he ends up getting stabbed in the throat when he tries to stop an altercation. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying is, but that was Stephen King doing something in a different vein. Uh, and then and then that led to The Green Mile. Which, to this day, to me, yeah. is a fantastic novel. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, but then, 
But then that even led to other things where he basically dabbled in, in, in genres that he had not dabbled in Like before. the Gunslinger. Oh, oh, you mean Dark Tower. Yeah, Dark like Tower. The Dark like Tower the Gunslinger, series. yeah. Dark Tower series, yeah. That was him uh, taking a stab at fantasy, but what, a lot of people don't know, but the precursor to even the Dark Tower series, because he had, he had written this book for his daughter because he realized that his daughter wasn't reading any of his books because his daughter wasn't a wasn't a horror fan. Now his son was. Mm-hmm. His son loved all his horror books. Are you talking about Cycle of the Dragon? Um, no. Um, I'm talking about Eyes of the Dragon. Eyes of the Dragon. Oh no, he did Cycle of the Werewolf too. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but that was one of, of his one of his horrors. I'm talking about yeah. Eyes of the Dragon. Okay, that was yeah. his first sort of foray into fantasy. Sorry about forgetting that. No, you're good, dude. You're good. <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 yeah, Eyes of the Dragon. He wrote that for his daughter because he wanted a story his daughter could read. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was not a horror fan. Now, yeah. we're going to segue into yeah. some books that you like because yeah. we've, you know, we've beat this subject to death. <laughs> we've been going off on your stuff. Yeah, I don't want to take up the whole time. Oh, dude, uh, no, I, I totally love talking about this kind of stuff because you and I... We practically have the same stuff anyway, so exactly. I, I don't, I don't take offense. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, okay. Well, um, uh, t- uh, two people who influenced me, I'll, and I'm going to say book wise. I'll, I'll go into other. You and I can go into other things later. Yeah. But book wise, uh, two people who have influenced me. Uh, one, and, and he's actually still alive today. Um, and this is like at least when it t- comes in terms of comic books. I think I know who you're talking uh, about. Walter Simonson. Yes. Walter Simonson has had a huge impact on me. Like, uh, like his Thor run to me is legendary. It's like it's one of those things. And, and and a lot of people don't know this. It helped me so I could start reading Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, what's funny is I tried reading Shakespeare at first. Um, Way back when, I tried reading it, and I was like, ah, shit, I can't get into Shakespeare. The, the old English is throwing me off. I don't know what he's <laughs> talking about. But then what happened was I went and I p- started picked up, picking up Thor because I love the whole sort of Viking aspect. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm a huge fan of that. Anyway, I went and read that, read, read Walter Simons' run. That was, that was the run I started on. I went back and read the Jack Kirby, Stan Lee stuff, but the, first <coughs> stuff, the stuff that I was raised on was, was Walter Simons and Thor. And uh, and then when I went and read that, I loved the fact that he like, they would speak in that old English. Mm-hmm. But in the context in which they used it, I understood it. I knew what he was talking about. Yeah. This was like this was a cool bridge for me because what happened was I went and read that. Then I went back and I read Shakespeare again. I was like, oh god, now I get it. Now I understand. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a bunch of gibberish. Exactly. I mean, but I'm saying. I mean, I'll give a lot of people this. I mean, I, I can totally understand when people will say they read Shakespeare and they don't understand it. That's about because they're not used to the Old English. So what I would suggest to them, if they want to start to understand Shakespeare, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, this is my this is my suggestion: go back and read a Thor comic book. Read read the Thor comic books, and especially the older ones. Especially the older ones, like like I said, read the Walter Simonson run. Read read the Stanley Jack Kirby run. But the whole thing is. Just pay attention to the way he speaks, and then once you get the hang of that, then then you go into Shakespeare, and it'll be so much easier. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you, it's interesting because you don't even have to read the Bible to uh, understand the lingo and the linguistics of how Thor was. Oh because... yeah, because the, well, it, just as I said, and this is the cool thing, and I know you'll agree, is that the the context in which they made Thor say these things, it they they made it work. 
and mm -hmm. they made you understand it. It was it seriously. It's like it's like reading. It, it's like it's like it's like old English for dummies. Seriously, I mean, I'm not. It's, it's so true. Cool. It's, it's, I mean, it's so totally cool that they do this. But, but think about that. Think about Thor <coughs> as old mm. English for dummies. Yeah. Oh, um, quick side note. I am getting over um, what I had a couple weeks ago. Found out it was pneumonia. Yeah. I got some medication for it. I'm doing a lot better. Um, for those of you that care. <laughs> um, I I got some pills and some meds, so I'm kicking the pneumonia. It's the eighth time. It's the eighth time I've had it in my lifetime, and it was kind of scary because I thought it was just originally some sinuses and a, yeah. and a cough and a chest cold that just mm -hmm. wasn't going away. But then Amber, mm -hmm. my wonderful wife, she's like, "You need to get that checked out." And I said, "Well, no, I'll be fine." And then a couple days later, she's like, "Well, I'm going to fucking kill you." If you don't go and get that checked out. So you wouldn't got it checked out. Yeah, and I found out it was pneumonia. And had I not gotten it checked out, this is why I love my wife. She's yeah. so damn amazing. Yeah. If I hadn't gotten it checked out, pneumonia is a very life-threatening disease if not treated at an early stage. Yeah. And I could have actually died had I not, you know, gone and done something about it. And you, you can tell, you know, after almost 11 years of marriage, my wife gives a shit about me. So I got to give props to her on this um, podcast for all these years of making sure that I'm taken care of. Because if it weren't for her, I'd probably be in a ditch, you yeah. know, drinking schnapps with pigs. Yeah, you'd probably be dead. <laughs> well, you know, that too. I might be, you know, pushing up more than just dirt and daisies. So to my wife, oh, yeah. you're freaking amazing. And here's to another, you yeah. know, 11 years of... Kicking ass. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, back back to what we were talking about. Yeah. I said, but yeah, but so I totally suggest this to people. It's like basically, as I said, if you want to get into Shakespeare, and like I said, I'll throw these basically in, in, in the same category, you know, Shakespeare and Thor. But basically, use Thor. Use Thor as a bridge to reading Shakespeare, especially the Walter Simonson run. Yeah. Yeah. That is very very definitive, and very very needed to understand. Shakespeare, like yeah. the other Thor renditions are great, but like you said, the Walter Simonson and yeah. how he depicts the language is very, very indicative. Well, and you and I would know this too, uh, <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people might not know this character so much, but we knew it. We knew it, and he's such an awesome character. Walter Simonson created the Thor character of Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Beta Ray Bill was created by Walter Simonson. And Beta Ray Bill yeah. had a phenomenal run. Oh yeah, well, you know? um, well, well, basically he was a character that would periodically um, come into Thor every once in a while. I believe they did they did have a small little mini series that was yeah. just featuring Beta Ray Bill, um, but but for the most part he was a he was a character that would periodically show up in Thor every now and then. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the he was actually one of the few people that was worthy. To carry Mjolnir, and for those who don't know who what Mjolnir is, for those who are not familiar with the Thor universe, that is his hammer. Yeah, not Mjolnir, like some other jackasses make it out to be. Oh yeah, it's uh, Mjolnir. Yeah, and it's a very Viking way of saying this awesome fucking hammer. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was really good. <laughs> anyway, that's 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 my first influence, at least comic book wise. Yeah. Um, novel wise, th this gets a little harder because there's so many great authors that I love who've influenced me in my style. 
but if I had to pinpoint it down... Is it Dickinson? Uh, Dickens? Dickens? Charles Dickens? See, now you know you've been even more harder for me. <laughs> As I said, he's like, no, he's another one. He's he's very influential to me. Um, but I'm just saying, I have to pinpoint it down to one guy. Okay. Uh, well, you know, you're good. Just, 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 <laughs> but just stay there. Just stay there. Don't don't start guessing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm going to have to pinpoint it down to one guy. And if I'd have to say, when it comes down to my sci-fi stuff, especially, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm going to break this down into... To three people, just because one, one of them I have to throw into the manga category. Even though it's still technically comic book, I'm throwing in the manga category. But novel-wise, I'm going to say this. Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert, who did the Dune series, um, I'd oh, yeah. definitely say he's had a huge impact on the way that I do a lot of my stuff. Uh-huh. Um, he's, he's what you would call a thinking man's author. Um, you know, is that... Uh, the whole thing is, is if you are not into really deep, really hard-thinking stuff, do not read Dune at all. You're going to think it's a snore. Mm -hmm. um, but if you really are into some complex stuff and you like something that's got a lot of things that just keeps your brain going and keeps you thinking, Dune is a perfect series for that. And uh, I can remember when you actually showed me Dune. Yeah. You're like, no, you have to read this. I don't give a fuck what you're reading now. Put that shit down and you read this. <laughs> yeah. And when I read it, I was like, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. So I got to give props to you because yeah. had you not shown me Dune, I probably wouldn't have known the amazingness, which yeah. is Frank Herbert, you know. So, oh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> but once again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think it's essential for anybody who likes sci-fi... And now, once again, I know there's going to be a ton of people disagree with me, but you know what? I, this is just my thought, and I'm always going to think this. I think it's essential for anybody who loves sci-fi to at least have read the Dune series. Just because Dune has so many themes that you see throughout so many bit, bits of sci-fi. I mean, I can even tell you this. And, once again, a lot of people might say, Oh, no, but it's this influence. George Lucas had a lot of influences when it came to Star Wars. Yeah. But you can see, you can see... Some of the Dune influence and it's very that's in Star Wars. And it's very incumbent yeah. to what Star Wars would later become. Well, exactly. Uh, I said, I, and I don't even have to say especially like later versions of Star Wars, but yeah. But it's even in there in the earlier stuff. The whole point is, when you, with the whole thing with the Galactic Senate and, uh, and, and even, uh, but I said, even earlier stuff where you saw things like Princess Leia or Agana and the way that they had this sort of royalty thing kind of interspersed throughout the politics of the Empire. Yeah, that's very much Dune. Yeah, that's Dune. <laughs> Dune had that too. I mean, come on. Duke, Leto, Atreides, come on now. Yeah. That's if, like... If that doesn't scream later Star Wars, I don't know what yeah. does. Well, that's what, but it's even in earlier Star Wars, as I said, with, with, the, with Princess Leia and everything. Come mm -hmm. on. They even had that in freaking Dune. So, so they can go ahead and deny that till Doomsday, and I can still tell them, no, I can tell you all... The many ways that Dune was an influence on Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. And if you ever get a chance to pick up the Dune series, I'm yeah. just I'm throwing this out early as a book recommendation. I know yeah. we're not there yet. Oh, just time, go ahead. But freaking the entire series to Dune, just pick that shit up. I don't <laughs> care what you're reading. Burn it. Throw it away. Give it to your <laughs> dog to eat. I don't give a damn. Here, no, just pick put it, up just, Dune and just read the shit out of it. Here, 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 just, just put it off to the side and then just read this series. Exactly. Burn whatever you're reading <laughs> now and read Dune. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then anyway, I was gonna say my last my last thing with the person who had a real big impact on the way that I write my stories um, is got to be Lee Masamoto, the guy who created um, basically this what they call the the um, the Lee verse. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for those who for those who once again need to be familiarized with this, I mean, by now most people should know who this guy is because I mentioned him a lot. But for not those at all. Maybe, but, 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 hey, but for those who are maybe jumping to the podcast now and maybe haven't uh, heard previous episodes, yeah. Leishi Masamoto has created works like Captain Harlock, Star Blazers, Galaxy Express Triple Nine, Galaxy Railways, Queen Emeraldus. I mean, he constructed this whole entire universe. And, and, the, and, and just so you know how awesome this is, it's just like... Legion Masamoto knows how to do space opera. If you've ever heard that term before, it's it's very much indicative of things like like Star Wars is considered a space opera. And we're not talking no. about singing opera. No. Just for those people who don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, just for those just for those uh, just for those uncultured swines who uh, who who don't know what the expression means. No, what a space opera is is it's basically a, uh, it's it's basically a science fiction that has a very sort of operatic story to it. With grandiose there's, gestures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's well, there's a lot of grandiose. There's a lot of grandiose things happening. There's a lot of big themes in it. Yeah. There's a lot of of various different emotions that the characters deal with. It's basically storytelling on a very large scale. Well, not those little scales you like. You go to the grocery store and put meat on and find out how much it is. Yeah, and once again, we're for those who aren't <laughs> familiar with the term, <laughs> we're talking about a scale as in <clears throat> you have this story. Yeah. And it hits so hard that it just engulfs your entire emotion where... It's almost like you realize that that story was made for you. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and then also what we mean by scale is basically the scope of which the story is told. Yeah. Because some stories are these very small, simple stories. Like, you know, like, like let's, let's, let's throw in, like, Charlotte's Web, for instance. And once again, I'm not being insulting. I love Charlotte's Web. Good story. But it's a story on a smaller scale. It's a story of, of a girl who loves this pig but has to give him up, and then the pig learns to basically uh, learn how to survive and, and, and live on his own. That's right, and the pig gets over his fear of arachnophobia. Ah, oh, yes. No, <laughs> but through the help of the other farm animals and the spider, he basically... But the whole point is, very simple story. Very yeah. simple story, that one. Mm -hmm. A story on a large scale is just like what we talked about like with Dune, and, 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 and like I said, the same thing with the Lige Masamoto universe. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically a story that is not really simple. It's very complex because you have you have inner story you you have, you well you have you have personal stories with the characters. You have the overall larger story. Mm -hmm. You have side stories. You have you you have all this grand amount of stuff. It's like all these multiple things which lead up to one big universe, one big story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what we mean by. Um, stories on a larger scale. Do you want to go outside? Uh, oh, oh, uh, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, anyway, um, 
but uh, yeah, stories on a larger scale. Um, and so, anyways, uh, um, so, but I was saying, Legion Matsumoto has had a huge impact on, on me in, in, in terms of my story. Um, especially when it comes down to, like, and I'll totally admit this, like, uh, if you look at my comic book, Darum, Captain of the Stars, you can totally see the Captain Harlock influence. <clears throat> you know, because, um, you know, obviously he's a space pirate that, uh, you know, defends the galaxy against, you know, against, uh, you know, against evil. Which, you know, Captain Harlock basically does the same thing. Um, but the only difference is, and this is where, and this is where, you know, authors can be unique, and a lot of people say, oh, but that's not original, but no, here's the whole thing. Here's where the author's always unique, regardless of the fact of whether a story is similar or not. It's always going to be unique, because the author is going to see it through their own perspective. This is true. Now, uh, we need to get into some Crazy Monkey Ink business, actually. Oh yeah, well, no, you definitely definitely do that. Uh, no, um, well, oh yeah, one thing I, I forgot to do this at the beginning of the show, but one thing I always like like to mention is just just remember, uh, you know, uh, both Corey and I, we we have we have our books out through Crazy Monkey Inc. Please check them out. Please read them. You know, uh, you know, I, I have Darum number one through three, both digital and print. Please, uh, please look it up. Uh, Corey has the Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe number one, which you can also pr uh, purchase digital or print. Um, and uh, and then uh, and he's uh, he's going to be having Sexy Zombie Hunters coming out next month. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then uh, uh, and then uh, also uh, you are currently working on Taxi Cab Joe number two. Yeah, Gaspar is literally three pages away from being done drawing it. Yeah. And then Mike Montalvo is going to work his magic and make it look yeah. extra sexy. Yeah, and uh, and and, <laughs> and uh, we're we're actually starting on some of the uh, pre pre production stuff for the Darren Number Four Darren Number Four Kickstarter, which I'm I've, super excited. I about. have I have a cool announcement I want to make later on. I can't do it on this podcast because I don't have anything definitive yet but I, what i can tell you it's being worked on i have seen some stuff it's really cool but i've i've actually got a cool incentive that i'm going to be giving to fans who support the kickstarter yeah um i all i need right now is the green uh, the green light uh i just don't have the green light yet so i, I you guys could just unfortunately have to wait till i get the green light and uh, um in other news, yeah. Furious is getting worked on still. Yes. Um, we're getting pages after pages taken care of, and oh, yeah. they're Samir looking is, amazing. Oh, yeah, Samir Samal is doing an excellent job with uh, with, with Brian Jail Glass's property, mm -hmm. um, making it look awesome. Uh, you know, I can already tell, because I've seen many of the word balloons, that, uh, that Brian Jail Glass has once again written us an awesome classic story. Exactly. Um. So, so once again, when you guys see this, it's going to be awesome. I mean, you know, Samir Samal really has 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 done excellently well with with Brian Jail Glass's work. And another one that's being worked on that hopefully by either the end of this year oh. or the beginning of the summer of next year will be coming out. Yes, Romeo and Juliet, 
River of Blood by Stefano Cardicelli. I can't oh, yes. tell you how excited I am oh, yeah. to finally get this bitch in my hand. Oh, yeah, no, no, and I've seen that. because you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's very much working his ass off on that one. You know, uh, we do want to apologize to people, you know, especially those who supported. I mean, hell, I'm a backer on that one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind revealing to people that, yes, I, I'm a backer on that one. But, but, but once again, I am telling you, I'm telling you. I've seen some of the preliminary stuff he's been working up. Working up, I've been seeing some of the some of the um, some of the incentives are going to be coming with this with the, with with this whole package. It's going to be worth it. Yes, I know it's it it sucks it sucks to have to wait, but I'm telling you, the wait is going to be worth it. You're going to love every bit of this graphic novel and all the little cool goodies that we're going to give um, in addition to that. Exactly, and. I know that this is happening next year. Yes. So I've got to throw this spoiler out because if I don't, ah. I'm going to freaking crack at the seams and probably slap something and then go to jail for it. Yeah. I know for a fact that Darum number five, six, and seven are going to be coming out. Oh, yes. It's going to be fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah no, we definitely, we got, we got big plans for Darum next year. Um, Taxi Cab Joe number three, four, and five are coming and, and out I as can, well. And I can at least guarantee this now. I can guarantee this now. Well, you because can guarantee it's going the graphic novel. Uh, I just want to say, I, I, can, I can guarantee this now. So first off, Darum's going to have its very first graphic novel come next year. Oh, yeah. And I'm that's, excited and for that. that. And that's going to be awesome. That's exactly. Gonna kick ass. It's going to be amazing. I've got good plans for that. Uh -huh. um, and then, and then, um, and, and then I'm going to be working on this, and I'm going to try and make sure that we get the uh, get get this in your guys' hands too. Um, I have uh, I have I've got I've got the script in, and once again, you guys are now uh, for those of you who listen to this podcast, you're getting the download, you're getting the inside skivvy, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's right. Yeah, uh, you're, you're 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 getting the goods, <laughs> getting the deets. Yeah, the yeah. deets. I'm gonna give you the deets. <laughs> um, you know, the whole thing is is like um, I have got. Um, and I, I might have mentioned this one before because you you, you and I had talked about uh, talked about it. I think, oh, this a was bit. like months ago yeah. that we talked about. Yeah, this. but we did. But for, the, for those <laughs> for those who don't remember, uh, I'm I was wor I'm, I'm, I I had been working on a graphic novel by the name of Death Unicorn Slayer of Bunnies. Um, and I don't know if you had revealed this or not. Actually, I don't think I had revealed this or not. We might but, have. Yeah. Um. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. right after um, I'm done paying for Taxi Cab Joe number three to get pay to get made, yeah, I'm throwing money towards the project that you and I did for Death Death Unicorn Slayer of Bunnies, yeah, so that we can both invest in it, yeah. and I'm gonna be throwing money towards it. Yeah. You're gonna be throwing money towards it, and I can guarantee you, if you love Darum, you're yeah. gonna absolutely fucking enjoy. Your tits <laughs> out of Death Unicorn Slayer of Bunnies because um, him and I collabed on it. I've yeah. read the script. Funny shit. <laughs> very, very funny. He takes a stab at the most interesting and just psychotically hilarious stuff. Jared, it, <laughs> in no small means, is a genius when it comes to hilarity because he knows how to make a story funny. <laughs> and I know he's going to downplay and seem all humble and I don't give a shit. <laughs> but I'm trying to upsell him because not only does he do fantastic and amazing sci-fi with Darum, but I've read the script. I guarantee you if you're not 
crying with tears of joy and laughter at the end of Death Unicorn, you need to reevaluate your life because <laughs> this shit's hilarious. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, all, all I want at the end of the day is that people read it and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but but uh, I had to say that because yeah. you really are a great writer and well, people need you. to know that. Well, thank you. But, uh, but, but, but what I'm saying is that, yeah, that's, that, that I'm actually going to be uh, putting money towards uh, this next coming year. And then that's another release I'm hoping that you can have in your hands by sometime next year. Another project that, uh, that we're also going to be uh, putting some money towards next year as well and hoping hopefully we can get it in your hands before um before winter of next year is um is the uh Sherlock Holmes story that you and I had both co-wrote. Do you want to give them a little bit of the synopsis about that? Okay, well, for those and and, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler here, but once again, for those who follow the podcast, you guys get to have the inside dope, <laughs> you know. Anyway, um the uh, the premise for uh, the premise for this one is that uh, um, we wanted to do something that wasn't a typical cliched Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah, we wanted to do a little bit different, but then we also didn't want to go for horrific shock value because too many people do that. What we wanted to do was we wanted to do a cool traditional Sherlock Holmes story, but not one that had been retread over before. Yeah, um, because Sherlock Holmes has been. And- written and rewritten and revamped so many times that it's just we needed something that was going to be fresh was still sir conan author doyle arthur conan doyle yeah escape uh yet also very much in the originalist vein of what you write yeah exactly and so what we did was uh was uh uh, um and i'll and i'll give him full credit Corey came up with the plot and then i wrote out the script um, and then what we had both conceived was uh, a story of where basically um, there's uh, there's this guy who's basically trying to kill members of, pol- of parliament because because he's decided that he wants to start this new world government because he's decided that the English government has failed everybody and that and that they need to start fresh and start this whole new world order. Um, and, and it's very interesting because yeah. the nemesis yeah. to Sherlock that he has portrayed yeah. is not only you're quite intelligent as hell, but he's also very clever in how he tries to frame well, and that, Sherlock and yeah, Watson and, well, for the shit that he yeah. did. Yeah, exactly. And then that's the <laughs> other part of the story. And the other part of the story rests with the, that that uh, that Sherlock. Uh, that what happened was. Um, it, uh, was that uh, mem- uh, certain members of Parliament end up getting killed, and and certain um, and certain bits of Sherlock stuff ends up at the scene of the crime. Yeah, his Sherlock, effects, like his effects, you know. Um, and I'm not going to give too much away, but, but but like say they see a like a pipe ends up at one at one uh, crime scene, another one ends up having Sherlock Holmes um, address written out in blood. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> And they're and they're thinking all along that, you know, Holmes is just dodging the British mm-hmm. police yeah. so that he doesn't have to be, 
you know, turned into this monster, which he's yeah. not. Actually, uh, actually, no, uh, what the police end up thinking, because oh, no, with him, you know that he's not the killer. You know that's not the thing. But the police basically conclude, and that's why they still keep going after him, that basically he's doing this to be clever. Yeah. That he's basically, that he's basically mocking the police. That he's basically saying, look, I can get away with murder and you guys can't do shit about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um. Which isn't Sherlock at yeah. all. No, no, and, and, and anybody who knew him would, would know that, but that's what I'm saying. He's like, so many people, but that's, you know, but so, but the whole thing is, it's a really cool, uh, like, uh, it's a really cool story. It's, it's got, it's, you know, it's got an espionage element. It's got a, it's got a revenge element. It's got, you know, it, 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 it's got all the great workings of a great murder mystery story. I think the fans of the classic Sherlock Holmes stories will like this, but I also think Maybe any any people who may not have been fans of Sherlock before could read this story and still get something out of it. See, and I really enjoy the fact that when you write, you uh you homage both both mm -hmm. types of fans. You yeah. you homage the old and you also try to get people that are new involved into the old so that they can be introduced to some fantastic literature. Well, and I'm going to give you a compliment because you had said this to me, and I and I totally appreciate the hell out of it. Um, because you were the you were you were the one who I think who initially approached me that you said, okay, Jared, I want you to do a Sherlock Holmes story. Because, um, and once again, and I'm not saying this, and I'm not calling you out publicly to say this. I You're think, good. I, I just re I just remembered it. You had been feeling bad. Um, I think a month prior because you had you had done your own attempt at doing a Sherlock Holmes. Esque story. Oh yeah, you detective made, gruesome. Yeah, you, you 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 tried to make your own sort of story, but then you realized it was it was getting way too different from a Sherlock Holmes story. It was feeling more like you you told me it was feeling more like a Taxi Cab Joe story. Yeah, and I was like, I, I... yeah, and I just remember <laughs> you even said that, and then we'd had a discussion about Sherlock Holmes previously, and then you'd come to me and you said, okay, listen, Jared. I've got uh, you, you. You said I've got this idea, but I, here's what I realize: I realize you understand the character of Holmes better than I do. Yeah, because you not only do you have understanding of more of Sherlock Holmes than I do, you have actually read more Doyle than I have because yeah. I'm more of a Agatha Christie fan. You're yeah. more of a Doyle fan, so I realize well, I love that them both. I love them both. Like, I can't do this because I'm a Christie fan. Yeah. And you're a Doyle fan, and you yeah. know more of the intricacies oh, of how the sh how the whole universe goes about. Of, but don't sell yourself short on this one, because <laughs> I know you've read a lot of Doyle and you love Doyle. Yeah. But but I, but I think what what you came down to, and and, and you'd said to me was you said that essentially what it came down to was this was that you love the character of Holmes and you thought he was great, but you couldn't relate to him. Yeah. And you said. And you said you could def definitely tell by the way I described it and the way I was talking about Sherlock Holmes. You said, okay, I can definitely see that you're a person that you can put your own character into this character. Exactly. And, and, and in fact, if, if you, if you, uh, when you guys do get to read the Sherlock Holmes story, um, you're going to see that uh, Sherlock Holmes' personality is going to be very similar to my own. And... I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, fluff you up, but you do have a very wonderful personality. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, but, but here's the whole thing, and this is where, and this is where, uh, this is where Corey, uh, this is where Corey still uh, gets to be, uh, gets to be in the story too. Watson very much is going to have Corey's personality. Well, I mean, he's going to be an asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just, uh, just much in the fact that uh, that he kind of. Uh, 
steps into stuff that he shouldn't without actually thinking about it, and then Holmes is the one who basically has to come back and say, okay, listen, you didn't think that through, did you? So what you're really saying <laughs> is Doyle was, in a way, not like Nostradamus, he was telling the future of what you would be sh you would be Holmes and I would be Watson. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. How true. very astute of you. <laughs> yeah, I, you astound me, Holmes. That's right. <laughs> now let's go solve a murder. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, no, you're, you're going to enjoy this and all, and I'm so glad that you brought these things up. But yeah, I mean, so many awesome things coming out next year, and and as, as, as Corey said, he's got a, a bunch of projects that he's going to be um, releasing next year. I believe, and, 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 and I hope you don't mind me leaving the cat out of the bag for this one. Oh, you're good. I believe that uh, um, next year, because uh, you and I had been discussing this for years, I believe next year was when we wanted to start doing our uh, our comic book that's a horror anthology. Oh, yeah, and I still have some ideas that I'm flailing around in my brain. <laughs> um, but I want to get the I want to get the stories out of... Mm -hmm. uh, Tax Cab Joe and Sexy Zombie Hunters out of the way so that yeah. when we do the horror anthology, it's nice, it's fresh, it's clean, it's out of the bag. And yeah. so that when you get these horror, you get these little horror tidbits and snippets in the anthology, you're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that you bring that up because I know for a fact yeah. that eight-page story that you showed me yeah. of the horror that you had written yeah not only is it genius <laughs> it's fucking horrific as shit <laughs> yeah, i you sent it to me and i was like oh my god he's planning his own murder <laughs> what in the fuck is wrong with this guy um well then, uh, you know but i was well, like i said i'm not i'm not gonna tell anybody what the plot is because i mean it's an eight page story and i don't want to give too much away just because of the fact that eight page story come on i'd give the whole thing away in just like a sentence exactly um but what I wanted to let people know was uh, my influences behind it. I, I did an eight-page horror story, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I was listening to a lot of uh, a lot of the more creepy songs from Alice Cooper's career, and I was listening to a lot of King Diamond. I think that might tell you a little bit of how creepy the story is. Because if anybody's ever heard anything by Alice Cooper or King Diamond. Well, there you go. Well, it's definitely the more creepy stuff. Like, I yeah. mean, like if you listen to stuff like, I mean, I mean, and and I was listening to this this horror trilogy of songs from Alice Cooper from his uh, "Welcome to My Nightmare" album. Was um, was they they had um, um, uh, ah, crap. What the hell was it called? But it was a trilogy of songs. Um, I know Stephen was in it. It was like the middle song. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, um, see, God, I wish I had the album with me right now. God, now that I get put on the spot and I make it totally blank. You're welcome. But anyway, there's a, you know, you're good. <laughs> there's a trilogy of songs, and um, the first part was, uh, oh, uh, Years Ago. The first one was called Years Ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's got this creepy vibe to it, because uh, what happens is um, it starts out, it sounds innocent enough. Sounds innocent enough. It sounds like you know. There's this kid. It sounds like because at first he talks about like how he's how he's playing on this playground, right? And uh, um, and and then here's where it starts to get creepy. He says this line as he gets it. The first part sounds kind of innocent, but then he gets into this part where he goes, oh, um, like all like like all, like my friends have gone away, and then you think, oh, okay, they just went home. 
and then here's where it starts to get really creepy. Yeah. Then it's brief pause, and he says, "Years ago." Uh huh. And then and then you're like, "Oh my god!" So you realize you have this grown ass adult playing in a derelict playground. Mm-hmm. And no, and then this is where it gets even more creepy. This is where it gets even more creepy as the songs go on. You realize this is the story of a serial killer. Yeah. And what he does is he kidnaps people, throws them in his basement, and and, and kills them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because that's you know, that's normal, right? Yeah. People do that shit all the time. Well, but you, but you realize he's he's it, it's it's part of his psychosis. Mm-hmm. He's a grown man who still wants to be a child mm-hmm. um and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about like those those men children that you talk about like like the guy who still plays with the smurfs no i'm not talking about that guy <laughs> i'm talking I, i'm talking about this is a guy who is so convinced that uh, is, is so convinced that his childhood has to still be there that he is killing people so he can bring it back you know because Puppies and butterflies and fucking rainbows and shit. But anyway, that was, that, was that, that that song trilogy was part of it, and then and then I listened to the um, I I listened to the album Them from King Diamond. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, it's actually about this uh, it's actually about this guy who 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 just hates his grandma and dumps her off at this really awful facility. Um, oh, kind of like kind of like how people do it anyway. Oh, you know, but it was like, it's like an insane asylum kind of deal. Yeah. But then what happens is she ends up dying there. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty creepy. But then, and this is, and this happens in some of the bonus uh, stuff if you ever get it. Um, I mean, you kind of get it subtly if you listen to the original album. But if you listen to the uh, the remastered album with the bonus tracks, you realize that what happens is she died there, and then basically, basically, she's been haunting him ever since and trying to get him to go back to that creepy place jesus christ that just you know who doesn't want to throw a birthday party after that yeah <laughs> well exactly so what i'm saying is like okay and see and so i said i haven't given the plot away to my eight page horror story but for those that's those are the things that influence that story so you can probably imagine how creepy that story is exactly now we don't have a whole lot of time left so, is there any other news, Crazy Monkey Inc. or otherwise, that you want to throw around before we? Um, well, like I said, I mean, uh, uh, the, there's the obvious announcements we just made. Yeah. Um, I know that. Um, oh, for those who still don't know, um, and they're now available. Uh, like uh, Mark Swan's Monsters on Run number two is now available. Um, you, you know, uh, they they actually have several copies at the store in town here in St. George. Uh, uh, Comics Plus. For those that can't do, uh, can't do that and are much farther away, go to the website. You can order it now. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, now, what are the price points for these uh, comics? Because some people might not know. Oh, oh, oh well, it, it's all standard. Same as like when when I uh, had advertised our comics. Yeah. It's 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 one fifty for the digital. Okay. And it's five dollars for the print copy. Nice. Uh, yeah. And so uh, yeah, and and that doesn't change. Um, and then, uh, and then I also know that, uh, that, uh, five star number two is available. Yes. Yes, um, it is. And then, uh, Tony Clapper is actually, 
uh-huh. working on bringing five star number three about. Yeah. He's in the preliminary stages of getting that taken care of, which yeah. is really amazing because I want to see where this story unfolds with. Oh yeah, and and oh, uh, another good announcement. Uh, Jason Tudor. Um, he's uh, he's currently hard at work on um, Vorpal number three. Yes. Um, the first so, two you can find yeah. on our website as well. Yeah. yeah, first two you can go ahead buy, go to the website. Same price points for everything else. Yes. And uh, and then yeah, check it out and uh, it, it's awesome sci-fi uh, sci-fi comic book series. Please check it out. Yes. Um, and I, I think as far as most other things, that's pretty much what we got going on right now. Um, oh, is, and um, yeah. uh, second to last week of October is Free Comic Book Day yes. down in St. George, Utah, um, on uh, St. George Boulevard, from. 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., Jared, Raz, and I will be there um, representing Mm -hmm. Crazy Monkey Inc. with Darum, Taxi Cab Joe, Death Squad Zero, Midnight's Avenger, just a whole bunch of other slower comics. Oh, yeah, and then depending on his schedule, depending on his schedule, Mark Swan might join us as well. And that would be awesome because then we've got a catalog of artists there yeah and i got i got it i gotta tell you when, when you first told me about mark swan i was like well who the fuck is this guy but then i but, guess so then i showed you his resume yeah and apparently he's got the resume um of a god oh yeah well come on so, I mean, first <laughs> off here's the whole thing where he got my respect anyway even if he'd only just done this show i'd be happy but it's like come on the dude worked on thunder the barbarian exactly and i know another one yeah that is near and dear to yours and my heart yeah as well is a goofy movie oh yeah yeah a goofy movie i totally <laughs> love that and that's actually one of the ones favorite ones he worked on exactly and he's worked on a ton of don bluth stuff he and, did the first five films of uh, uh land before time yeah he did the first five of those, uh, but I mean, see, he's even did the He's like, cause he did stuff for an American Tale. He did stuff for um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, did some stuff for Rock a Doodle. Oh yeah, uh, um, Rock a Doodle's uh, awesome. Oh yeah, he he even did some stuff for Space Jam. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, he did. And mm-hmm. so, uh, hopefully, he will be there as well. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this free comic book day because yes. not only um, are some of our things coming out. There are a lot of free comic books that yeah. weren't in the May catalog that are going to be in the October catalog. I've been privy to see a few. I'm not going to name any, yeah. but when you go there, it's just going to blow your oh, mind. Yeah. All awesomeness. Well, we had we had pretty much gone over most of uh, mo- uh most most of the books that we, we that we would recommend. But I say let's do this right before we cap off this entire episode. Okay. Let's at least uh, let's at least recommend one book tonight that we think people should check out. Um, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, you start first. Me first? Okay. Um, author that not a whole lot of people know, but you really need to check him out, is Sarah Bailey. She did yeah. uh, Demon's Destiny and Vampire's Kiss. Oh yes, definitely. Check her out. Um, you know, and I've I've actually got her. I've I've actually got her as a friend on my social media. So exactly. Jenna, good author. Good author. No, and I I totally agree with you on that. Uh, my recommendation for tonight would be. Uh, and once again, I just barely got this, and I think I might have recommended it before, but still, you know, I'm going to recommend it again. It's just such a damn good book. Okay. Uh, Frank Miller's Ronin. Yes. <laughs> now I yeah. haven't read it myself, but. Yeah. 
you know, after you're done with it, I would love to borrow the show. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no. it's definitely <laughs> worth it. But it's like if you watched old samurai movies, you'll like this. This is basically it's like it's like reading an old samurai movie with a sci-fi twist. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's that's the recommendation we have for now. Um. Uh, I'm gonna take uh, just this last minute to once again reiterate. Please go to our website. It's crazymonkeyink.com. It's ink with a K. And uh, <coughs> please check out our books, read them, uh, share them among friends, but, but please talk about it as well. Once again, please share us on social media. That helps. Yeah. But talk about it amongst your friends because really, people do not know how important word of mouth is. Word of mouth is how you build a fan base. Exactly. And, and, and once again, it's so great. Please, if you love our stuff, Please share and tell people about it. Share share us on social media. Tell people about it. Exactly. Anyway, um, you know, I, I want to reemphasize that, and then also, uh, also the fact that uh, our podcast. I know our our podcast is is available on Spotify. Check it out. All right. Have an awesome night.